Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. Holy moly, you had better wake them up. Get them up and get them going. The morning sky first. You need to see it. The Longhorns are going to the college football playoff for the first time in program history. If you hadn't heard that, that's going to be some breaking news. We're living under a rock somewhere, but uh, what a weekend. Historic one for the Texas Longhorns. Great weekend for pretty much everything on the 40 acres. We'll dive in there, obviously, over our five-hour conversation on this Monday beginning right now. Also, another week of the NFL, week 13. Some, uh, some good, some bad, some ugly. Cowboys now have a chance to climb into first place in the NFC East after the outcomes from yesterday. Had uh, big stuff over the weekend, all phases of sports. You got a Longhorn win in the first PGA event of the year. Uh, we got a lot to get to. High school football playoffs are down to its state semifinals now. Uh, but obviously the Longhorns going to the Sugar Bowl, going to the uh, college football playoff, the controversy surrounding the Final Four. Certainly lots to talk about as we launch you on this Monday, the 4th of December. 51 degrees right now. And... Um, a pretty nice day today. Looks like to start your work week. But, man, everybody in Longhorn land and Longhorn Nation going to be feeling good, feeling in a good mood after the weekend that was a Big 12 championship in resounding fashion. And then the news everybody wanted to hear yesterday morning. We'll dive into it as we start this uh, Monday. Appreciate you being there on 101.9 AM 1260. Finding us also, of course, on our Horn app where we uh, broadcast around all over the 512, but all over the state, all over the world. Ran into so many folks over the weekend up in uh, Arlington, up in Dallas, who listened to the show all over the country. Met folks from Connecticut and New York and Alabama <laughs> who tune in each and every morning on that Horn app. And at hornfm.com, we appreciate you so very much. And I'm sure a lot of you are locked in this morning. Uh, to go ahead and celebrate uh, the news of yesterday. And look who it is. Uh, he is back after his uh, several days away uh, dealing with some protocols, but he is back healthy and ready to roll. Big smile on his face. He is our shutdown corner from the 5-1-2 and DB High down in Houston. Of course, the uh, 5-1-2 and DBU right here in the ATX. Four stops in the National Football League. Now 16 years doing great radio uh, here in Austin and beyond. Uh, he is our man, the proud papa, Blackstradamus himself, and lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. What's up, RB? I'm uh, doing great, man. I appreciate you holding it down. Well, I had to, uh, you know, take care of the fam and make sure I was uh, through brother. the protocols and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but uh, uh, tested negative on Thursday night, but just wanted to make sure everything was all good. So everything's good. Baby's good. No temp for the baby. No fever or anything. So uh, I don't know if we're out of the woods, but we feel pretty good about it. So everybody's feeling healthy. That's all that matters. So I, I appreciate you guys. And uh, couldn't have come back at a better time. Yeah, man. You're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> couldn't have come back well, at a better and time. Well, and I was texting uh, – uh, our friend Nick Shuley. Thank you to Nick Shuley for coming in the last several days. He was fantastic. And, um, you know, we had a lot of good talks about what could happen, what would happen. And uh, I said, man, you turned out to be a good luck charm. Good job. Good job by hey, you. Hey, Nick uh, Shuley's always a good luck charm. Yeah, Nick's always <laughs> great. But, uh, uh, but man, uh, thanks to, to him. Thanks to you. Thanks to uh, everybody up in Arlington. As I mentioned, uh, our travel oh, yeah. partners at Hay City Store and Ice House and Taste on Main and uh, one source gas of Central Texas for helping us get up there. Terry Blacks was a blast on Friday afternoon. The the spot in Arlington, Jay Gilligan's couldn't have gone better. So we'll certainly recap the whole weekend and uh, you know the Big Twelve championship game, forty nine to uh, whatever blowout wow. almost becomes. I don't say an afterthought. You, you we'll talk about it and break it down. But in the end, the, the Longhorns are now firmly focused on the future. 
mm-hmm. which is a month to prepare for a, uh, a national championship semifinal game opportunity. Uh, but I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it, Rod, your thoughts on the games that went down and obviously the, uh, the Florida State-Alabama situation, oh. a controversial one, oh, man. to say the least. Yeah. But I, like it. I, th- I think they got it right. I think they got it right. We'll get into it, but I think they got it right. A lot of right. people disagree, and that yeah. is what makes it a great debate. But I, I do too. But I do admit, hey, man, Florida State, heartbreaks, and that's, that goes against everything that we've ever been taught about the meritocracy of sports. Yep. <laughs> it go, I will admit it is a, that it is blasphemous when you talk about the meritocracy of sports and everything that we've been taught about winning. As long as you win, that's what matters. So I agree. If I was a Florida State oh. fan today, I don't know if I could accept can, it. Can't, is it fair to say that both can be true, that, that yeah. you feel terrible for the, the players and Jordan Travis, you feel – Awful for um, you know the fans and you know, the athletic director wrote a scathing statement to the NCAA and the college football establishment. I get it, uh, but you know, I think they got the four best teams, and that's what what you're really trying to accomplish in that spot. But Heck, deserving, deserving, deserving. Well, say deserving, certainly deserving. But, yeah, it was uh, a deserving or what, four best, and that's like Kirby Smart, the Georgia coach, was pretty clear. He says, "Look, Bill Hancock, who ran that thing forever, always said it was a four best." Not the foremost deserving. So it's not that everybody gets a trophy case. There's only four spots. There's five Power Five conferences this year. Somebody was going to get the screw job at that point. And that's why it was important for Texas to end the season the way they did. You could make the argument that if Texas did not win their last two games in the impressive fashion in which they did, style points added, beauty contest, beauty pageant, bikini contest looking good, yep. that they may not, may not push them over the top. The national narrative shifted. In like two weeks for Texas. Yeah, with a 57-7 to right? blowout and then it, another blowout dismantling it, Oklahoma it, it, State. And in watching Florida State, everybody went, well, honestly, that team, that, that, that team, that Texas team is better, and I'm not well, sure if there are four teams better than Texas. And it's something I said uh, pretty adamantly and was bullish on last week, that if Alabama beats Georgia, that's going to buoy Texas because everybody – watching Texas dismantle mm-hmm. back-to-back teams in kind of a – in primetime games – because the, the championship game on Saturday was a standalone game. Everybody yeah. was paying attention to that. Everybody watched the Turkey Day game against Texas Tech across the country going, oh. So it reminded people, man, how good Texas is and can be. And then to see Alabama beat Georgia and remember that Texas beat Alabama by double digits, you're like, oh, man, that Texas team's pretty damn good. And even the committee, who where I was sitting watching the game in Arlington, Rod, you know, the committee was right up the road in Grapevine, uh, about mm. 15 minutes up north, yeah. watching the game with alongside and – so yeah, all that came together, and obviously Florida State takes it on the takes it in the in in, in, in the shorts. And but we kind of thought that could happen. Uh, and I'll say this for for the you know because I feel terrible for Jordan Travis, the young quarterback, and you know he put out a statement saying he's heartbroken for his teammates. You imagine being that guy, you got oh, hurt, man. not your fault, and it's the reason the whole team's not going to play. And you know yep. he had a great statement, but you have to look no further in the sport of football, Rod, than the San Francisco 49ers playing the Eagles. Without their quarterback one year ago, getting mm-hmm. beaten by the by the Eagles, turn around this year with their quarterback, and they dismantle the 49ers yesterday. Crazy. The quarterback is the most important position in the sport, and if you don't have your best player, it is a different team. That yep. is a reality of the situation. There's no question. Uh, so, yes, I understand those who are mad about it. Rod, thank those yeah. who serve, and then we're going to get in the headlines. Uh, shout out to those who serve, of course. Uh, our society built on the selflessness of service, and uh, every morning we want to make sure that uh, we let you know that you are top of mind on our hearts and our minds. So we appreciate all those in any capacity, God, country, and community, those who serve uh, soldiers, first responders, teachers, nurses, waste management. Uh, there are so many of you. We cannot name you all, but we lo- want you to know that uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. There you go. Shout out to those who served today. No question. Hey, Monday, let's hit it. Headlines to start it. 
Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring it to you. And let's start with college football. Yes, an historic weekend for the Texas Longhorns. Longhorns dismantled Oklahoma State 49-21 in the Big 12 Championship. And then yesterday, yesterday morning, uh, we're standing by the television to see what the announcement would come from the college football playoff committee. Here's the third team that was taken off and put on the board. Who's number three? The Texas Longhorns. Steve Sarkeesian's team winning a conference championship for the first time since 2009 and making the playoff for the first time. Longhorns really haven't even been close to making the playoff. Official announcement yesterday morning, the Longhorns are college football playoff bound for the first time in program history. Reese Davis making the announcement on ESPN. Fresh off that Big 12 championship, 12-1 Longhorns selected as the number three seed by the CFP Selection Committee. They'll play number two uh, seed of Washington in the Sugar Bowl on, at 745 on the first day of 2024 in New Orleans, Louisiana. The other teams in the four-team field, number one Michigan and number four Alabama, they'll meet in the Rose Bowl in the early game on New Year's Day. Despite their perfect 13-0 season and an ACC championship, Florida State becomes the first Power 5 team ever to have that resume and not get in. Seminoles had to settle for the fifth spot. They'll match up with Georgia in the Orange Bowl. This is uh, the Longhorns' first appearance in the four-team playoffs since its inception in 2014. Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian made it clear uh, that his team is not just happy to be going. may be a little bullish of me saying, but we'll play anybody in the country like I, I don't I'm not shying away from that part like I feel very comfortable if we get in this if we get into this tournament um, we'll play anybody and we'll find out if we're good enough or not but I, I feel like we have the team the culture the scheme and the versatility of this team to play against anybody Texas is open as an early five-point favorite over the 13-0 Huskies in a rematch of last December's Alamo Bowl that Washington won 27-20 down in San Antonio. Also from Texas football, Steve Sarkeesian did say yesterday that he's very confident both Xavier Worthy and Ryan Watts will be available for the game in a month despite having uh, both being injured and uh, leaving the game Saturday with injuries. Uh, also from Texas, the uh, co-defensive coordinator Jeff Choate has emerged as the top target for the Nevada Wolfpack head coaching vacancy. According to Bruce Feldman of the Athletic, Choate was the head coach at Montana State before coming to Texas Seven other teams from the Lone Star State going bowling as well, including the Texas State Bobcats. They're going to a bowl for the first time in program history. G.J. Kenny's 7-5 Cats will uh, face the Rice Owls in the first responders bowl on December the 26th. Texas A&M is going to face Oklahoma State in the Texas Bowl. Texas Tech will meet Cal in the Independence Bowl. SMU meeting Boston College in the Fenway Bowl. And UTSA will play Marshall in the Frisco Bowl on December the 19th. Speaking of Texas State, their former head coach, Jake Spavital, will be introduced today as the new offensive coordinator for Dave Aranda and Baylor. Spavital did a great job this year improving the Cal offense for one year out west. Also on the 40 acres this weekend, what a huge afternoon for the 11th ranked Texas women and their basketball program yesterday took down mighty UConn, 80-68. to Texas guard Rory Harmon was phenomenal, poured in 27 points, dished out 13 assists. Freshman Madison Booker added 20. Horns remain undefeated and top the Huskies for the first time ever. NFL 49ers sent a heck of a message to the rest of the NFL yesterday. They rolled into Philadelphia and embarrassed the conference-leading Eagles 42-19. Brock Purdy threw for 314 yards and four touchdowns. Debo Samuel scored three of those. He fell after falling behind 6-0. The Niners scored touchdowns on their next six possessions. Uh, now 10-2 and two Eagles will be in Arlington this Sunday night for a showdown with the 9-3 Cowboys. First place on the line. Down in Houston, meanwhile... Uh, AFC matchup with major playoff implications. The Texans improved to 7-5 and five and snapped the Denver Broncos' five-game winning streak with a 22-17 win. D'Amico Ryan's defense stepped up in a huge spot in the closing seconds of the game. Wilson in trouble, avoids it, rifles, intercepted, Jimmy Ward in the end zone, game over. There Houston was. wins it. 
with 10 seconds to play. Jimmy Ward, the big interception in the end zone, and the Texans get the big win. Sunday night football suddenly surging. Packers upset the Chiefs at Lambeau Field, 27-19. Bengals and Jaguars will wrap up week 13 tonight on Monday Night Football. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho-ho-ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. All right, Longhorns back into college football, back into college football, back into the national championship conversation, I should say. I don't know if Texas is back. I don't know if Texas actually even needs to actually entertain that question. I think the country will tell everybody when Texas is back. I think that will be determined by the way Texas plays and the performance and the product on the field. Yeah. Whether Texas is back or not. So I'm glad that that's not even a <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I'm glad that's not a topic of conversation. It's just now um, self-evident yeah. that the way they play, Texas is a championship-caliber team. Now, you know, I say whether they're back or not, I'm glad we're not even having to have that conversation because you can let everybody else entertain that. Texas is just worried about the performance and the product on the field. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. thing. Yeah. Uh, well, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's phenomenal, actually, that, so this, this, this group's ahead of schedule now. Right? In year three for Steve Sarkeesian, I think we all came into the season, you know, it needed to be a big step forward season. It needed to be in the Big 12 championship game. You know, I think you and I both picked 10-2 and two to start the year. I thought they'd lose at Alabama and maybe lose one other conference game. Yep. Uh, they exceeded that. And, yeah, there were some, uh, some, you know, near stumbles along the way. There was the loss to Oklahoma. But to be in the college football playoff and really – with no doubt, I mean, uh, the, the national narrative and debates about Alabama, uh, not Texas, uh, should Florida State be taking Alabama's spot at four is the yeah. debate. Uh, Texas is, is solid. Uh, their, their matchup with Washington. And not only do you get in a rod uh, ahead of schedule, you play – if you could pick one of the four teams you wanted to play, you probably would pick Washington. Nothing against Michael Penix. I think they're really good, and they beat Texas a year ago. But if I'm picking – I don't know. I disagree with that. You do? I disagree. Okay. Yeah, I, I disagree. I think Texas actually matches up better with Bama and Michigan than they do Fair Washington. Fair enough. Well, because of the quarterback. Th- and they got NFL wide receivers, multiple NFL yeah, wide receivers. So, Good if point. you're looking at the – listen, if you want to run the football against Texas, go right ahead. Yeah, try. <laughs> which Michigan wants to do, right, which Bama wants to do. You want to run against Texas, go right ahead. Where Texas has struggled is against – okay, first of all, What's the, uh, the, the one time Texas played a quarterback where they didn't have the advantage was what game? Oklahoma. Okay. All right. A, so, so, that's a great uh, point, Rod. Uh, and, a pass, a great point. and a pass first team, they won't have the quarterback advantage. They won't have the wide receiver advantage. They've had the wide receiver advantage, actually, in every, in every game. game they played. They won't even have the wide receiver advantage in this game, too. So I agree with you. Texas is favorite for a reason. But in terms of matchups, I think Texas – I would take Texas over any of these teams, actually – except Washington, I'm not saying I won't pick Texas. I'm picking Texas. Hell, they're back there in the college football playoffs, so of course I'm picking Texas. But my point is, matchup-wise, it's the toughest matchup for Texas. That's a good question. That's a great, great point. And let's not forget, and again, in something that people mm-hmm. will overlook and, and forget about, you know, your best coverage safety, Derek Williams, was, suffered a targeting call, weird mm-hmm. targeting call and a kickoff yeah. in, a, in a decided game in the Big 12 oh. championship. He won't play in the first half of the game. Uh, so you got a month to prepare, but Derek Williams, the freshman from Louisiana, the five-star who's come on so strong here, mm-hmm. he's your best safety in coverage in a, in a secondary that's going to have a lot of pressure on it Not with right. that Michael Penix yeah. passing game. Because I'll, I'll say all month, and you'll say it, Sark has a month to prepare. Well, so does yeah, Kalen yeah. DeBoard. 
And Kalen DeBoer is a really good coach at Washington. Really he's good. 103 and 11. Yeah. Guys, he's one. <laughs> he's a head coach. Speaking of ahead of schedule, I mean, his team is ahead of schedule. They were 11 and 2 in his first year. Now they're 13 yeah. and 0. So I probably shouldn't even say and that. Re- I love that it's a rematch, though, of the I do too. Alamo Bowl. So. Well, that's the other part. It's a re- yeah. another revenge ticket, right? Yeah. Sark and the Longhorns with the FAFO have been punching their yeah. revenge tickets. Oklahoma it. State being the latest. And Brett Yormark getting booed mercilessly at the. Uh, at AT&T Stadium when, when he's trying to present the trophy. That was all good stuff. Well, now you get to make up for last year's Alamo Bowl where the Longhorns did not put their best foot forward. Uh, but we'll, we got a month to talk about that game. Let's talk about the weekend, what we saw, the uh, controversies, and uh, where we're at, Rod. It was, uh, it was quite the weekend, man. What a, uh, let me just say a huge shout-out to everybody in Arlington. That, that place was hopping. Um, my friend Randy Ford and the team at Jay Gilligan's in Arlington. That is a if you ever are going to an event at AT and T Stadium, whether it's a Cowboys game this Sunday or any game, the concerts or whatever, go to Jay Gilligan's and do that shuttle, man. That is such a cool way to do it. Uh, so many folks rolled through there that had not known about that and are now sold on the idea of that. But it was fun. Yeah. Uh, Longhorn Nation showed up. Longhorn Nation has been obviously itching for this and. Um, to, you know, just to just to be there to be present and celebrate the championship was one thing, and then to wake up the next morning yes, and find out, oh wait, we're in, mm-hmm. we're in, Rod. Oh yeah, I mean, because they, I do believe the way they won the uh, in the impressive and dominant fashion that they beat Oklahoma State and they beat Texas Tech. I do think it mattered. Would they have made it in if they had just you know barely won those games or those games were a little bit tighter? They still could have probably made it in. Um, but I think it would have made the committee's job a whole lot tougher. I think the committee's job was easy. Like you said, the, the, the narrative shifted so dramatically where the conversation wasn't about Texas anymore. It was about, well, is it going to be Bama or Florida State? Yeah, because everybody was like, oh, Texas is in. Yeah, well, once, but, Texas, <laughs> once Texas won their game and then you know, Bama beat Georgia, Texas had to be in. You couldn't do one without the other. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, was, it was like, no, no, Texas is going to be in. Now the question is, are we going to leave out the SEC out of this thing um, and go with the deser- very deserving Florida State um, or are we going to go with the better product and a team that's getting better every week, which is Alabama, proving that, obviously, by beating Georgia in the SEC title game. And whether we got – so, that, like you said, that's, that was that, – Texas did that, right? But because Texas, they, they didn't like the conversation, so they changed it. They beat uh, Oklahoma State so badly and dominated them to the extent where the nation watched. And think, this is the first time that the college football playoff committee watched in a room together. They were actually in a room physically like together. talking as it happened. Yes, usually they, own, they, they remotely do it, right? They're watching online on iPads and stuff like that. These old, you know, old cronies <laughs> are watching on iPads, stuff like that. And then they, you know, they have to either text with each other or they can talk remotely. That's not the same as watching, watching in a room together and going, guys, are y'all watching Texas right now? They are just whipping Oklahoma State, just whipping them. And Quinn Ewers. I mean, his performance, right? You're, you're talking about the juxtaposition of Florida State who with a third-string quarterback and then watching Texas with uh, Quinn Ewers out there having his best game ever, ever as yes. a quarterback. So I just think, yeah, I, I give Texas all the props. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure Sark's not going to admit that that was top of mind for him. Yeah. Uh, but it, it Well, mattered. I mean, it was, it was total package. I mean, the game plan was on point. I mean, they took advantage of a – uh, a team they were much more talented than, obviously, in Oklahoma State. But that was a 9-3 and three team that won 7 of 8 and uh, beat Oklahoma. Uh, mm-hmm. So they, 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 they can play some ball, and they just dismantled them. I mean, the explosive play rate was ridiculous. I mean, there was a point in the first half where Texas had – not only had, had Quinn Ewers hit nine different receivers, six different players had an explosive play before halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tavondre Sweat caught a touchdown pass. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. I mean, yep. it was, it was uh, Sark at his best uh, with the game plan. And as you've talked about all year, Rod, and I know we'll do this more behind the burn orange curtain, yes, but we will. the uh, 
you know, making him a one-read quarterback makes him when he when he when he can lock in. You know, he's got to work on that, right, and become a more ability to come through. Oh, through, come through the progressions, but Sark has, has figured that out and is dialing up plays that get him that first progression typically. And, man, he is as good as there is in the country when he can put his foot in the ground and hit A.D. Mitchell on a, cor- on a, on a slant route or well, hit. He, when he knows where he's going with the football, man. I don't know if there's a quarterback in the country that can throw it better. I'm serious. I mean, Penix is, full, is close, maybe. There was like, Penix is close. Uh, Caleb, I'm just talking about when he knows exactly where he's going. I'm talking about accuracy and ball placement and touch and yep. all of it combined. It's good. It is. Woo, it's yeah. impressive. Yeah, it really is. And that's <laughs> his next you know, developmental phase will be that next phase, right, where you can go, okay, that's not there. I'm going here. I'm going here. And keep the footwork right and not yeah. uh, you know, keep his head up and all those things don't see the pressure real quick we'll go behind the burn orange curtain rod will break down the big win in, in texas but let's hear boo corrigan yesterday of course this is the big controversy boo let's remember this boo corrigan the committee chairman of the 13 person college football playoff committee boo. he is nc state's athletic director so he's in the acc right this is not um this is not like an sec commissioner he is the acc representative on this committee uh, and here is Boo Corgan explaining to Florida State why Bama is in and why the Seminoles at 13-0 and 0 are out. Florida State is a different team than they were through the first 11 weeks. Uh, Coach Norvell, their players, their fans, you know, uh, an incredible season. But as you look at who they are as a team right now, uh, without Jordan Travis, without the offensive dynamic that he brings to it, they are a different team. And the committee voted uh, Alabama four and Florida State five. All right, so there's Boo Corrigan. Can we play Reese Davis? Listen to this, Rod. This is uh, Reese Davis with the uh, the reaction of Florida State. This was heartbreaking to see yesterday. And you can, as a former player, Rod, put yourself in those shoes. Uh, you've done everything you can. You're 13 and 0. You can't control your quarterback's hurt. You just found a way to win your conference title game on a kind of rainy night in Charlotte by 10 points. Uh, with a backup quarterback because your defense played great. Uh, let's hear Reese Davis. This is when it was announced that Florida State will not be among the four teams in the playoff. Heartbroken, devastated, and uh, I'm sure there is a lot wow. of anger in Tallahassee as a result of this. Just a terribly unfortunate set of circumstances. They left Mike Norvell, who has done a fabulous job at Florida State, put the Seminoles in position, and now, now will be a challenge of leadership. All right, challenge of wow. leadership. Can I, I and can I play one cut for you, Rod? Then I want please. your thoughts. Let's let's play Booger McFarland. He was the most adamant and passionate uh, on the ESPN stage yesterday. The former LSU, uh, he's an SEC guy himself, yeah. uh, formerly on Monday Night Football. Here's Booger McFarland with his immediate thought to what the decision that was made. This is a travesty to the sport because we go out there on the field and we play the game. And regardless of whether it looks good at the quarterback position, regardless of whether we win with offense, whether we win with defense, the name of the game is to win. And that's a reason never before has this not been done, winning a Power 5 conference, going undefeated, and not getting into the playoff. So I I understand we want to look at style points and who are we going to get for the best matchups. But that's not what this is about. This is about understanding to get the four best teams. One team has a loss, and that's Alabama. One team doesn't in Florida State. And the fact that this committee could take a Power 5 conference champion that's undefeated those kids have went out there and busted their behind and not get into the playoff based on the eye test. Mind you, this is the same Alabama team who needed a prayer in Jordan Hare to beat an Auburn team that lost to New Mexico State. So that's really what has me bothered. All right, Booger passionate. Yeah, man. By the way, I don't think it was I, lost on, on most people that about an hour later on that said Robert Griffin III actually replaced Booger McFarland. He was gone. 
<laughs> like, Booger, you did speak the truth, but when keeping it real goes wrong. You know, we are the SEC network starting <laughs> next it, year. You want to keep it real? Okay. <laughs> yeah, we know we are the SEC well, network. I think I, I, this is, I, I think everything he said was true. I think it's, but I think it's apropos. I do think it is the end of an era in college football. Um, the end of amateurism is officially dead, it, or at least now it is a, there'll be a different definition of it. And now we know that with the transfer portal, with NIL, with obviously we've watched, we've watched conference realignment and all this happen, right? And the focus is around what? Money. 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 <laughs> Straight Money. cash, homie. Well, it should have. And so well, he's right. Uh, in, in a sense, this is – it's just symbolic because it is about getting the best matchup so we can get the best ratings so we can get the most money. Right. And, and again, I mentioned the Niners-Eagles it's, game and the quarterback being in a important position. What they what ESPN doesn't want, and they spend a lot of money for it, yeah. is the TCU-Georgia game again. A dud. I mean, you just, and how many of the semifinal games? I mean, last year's semifinal games were phenomenal, but a lot of times they are mismatches. And, yeah. you know, is that, is that a reality of the situation? Uh, I'll say this. We'll hear the other side, too. We'll hear other people speaking passionately on it. We'll certainly talk Texas and go behind the burn orange uh, the AD for Florida State uh, waited a little while and then put out a very strongly Passionate. worded uh, yes. uh, statement where he mm-hmm. said the consequences of giving it into a narrative of the moment are mm-hmm. destructive, mm-hmm. far-reaching, and permanent, uh, Mike Alfred said, not just for Florida State but college football as a whole. The argument of whether a team is most deserving or best is a false equivalence. It renders the season up to yesterday irrelevant and significantly damages the leg- legitimacy of the college football mm-hmm. playoff. And they did beat two SEC teams this year, Florida State. No, he's it, honestly. <laughs> if they had honestly, if if the quarterback had got hurt just a little bit earlier, and then they could have kind of fudged the timeline about when he could be back in the Coswell playoff, yeah. even that could have helped him. If the truth is, all those statements are right, and those uh, those opinions, honestly, they are valid. The truth is, we're in a different era where yeah, the ratings matter, and they want to sell quarterbacks. Think about it, Porter. How they when they when they when they have the commercials for the college football playoff. What position do you see most of the time? Them Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix, Jalen Milrow, <laughs> JJ McCarthy. Yeah, you know I mean, they're gonna, it, they're gonna, it, right. Come it, on, guys. Yeah, it's moving, and and, they, and like the real final knife in the back for Florida State mm-hmm. is this wouldn't happen next year. Next year they'd be in. Oh, next year everybody would be oh, in. Oh yeah, yes. there'd be twelve teams in. Right. The Longhorns would be, be off this week or the first in the first round. But very very unfortunate in all phases. We'll hear the other side too. There's those arguing strongly for Alabama, and as Rod and I both said off the top, that I think both things can be true. It can be a, a shame and make your your stomach turn. Same time it was going to happen to somebody. Um, and it, you know, did they get the best matchup? Becomes the question. Uh, good conversations this morning. Obviously, a historic conversation for the Longhorns. We will get to all of it. Gosh, we'll get to uh, the high school football playoffs. Rod, we got the uh, NFL was tremendous yesterday. Houston Texans with a big win. We'll get to all that. Also, uh, Longhorn basketball on the women's side with a huge win at the Moody Center. Um, Shotty, Scotty Scheffler wins the Hero World Challenge out in the Bahamas and just kind of ran away with it. <laughs> we are safe to say we need five hours today uh, to get into all the conversations yes, we need to have with you, and we appreciate you being there on 101.9 on AM 1260 and streaming always on that Horn app and at hornfm.com. Coming back with Behind the Burn Orange Curtain. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Welcome indeed. The Longhorns are headed to the college football playoff. They'll play 745 in the evening in 
New Orleans, Louisiana, the uh, night of the first day of the year, 2024. <laughs> Washington Huskies, the opponent in the rematch of last year's Alamo Bowl in the national semifinal. Two seed versus the three seed, 13-0 and versus 12-1. and Got a month to talk about it and prep for it. We'll hear from Sark and the players coming up after the uh, announcement yesterday. Had a bit of an availability, so we'll hear from the, uh, the Longhorns' immediate reaction and an emotional weekend. They were uh, – uh, certainly on point to d- dismantle Oklahoma State and win the Big 12 championship and to follow that up uh, less than 24 hours later with the news that their season um, just got better <laughs> with yes, an sir. opportunity to play for a championship. Uh, the other big discussions out there on this uh, Monday morning, appreciate Rod Babers being back and healthy and cranking with us. He'll take us behind the BOC here coming up. we got some what the facts what for the, the top f- of the hour, uh, including some big stuff from the National. Football League, good, bad, and ugly. But a um, couple more on the uh, the Florida State conversation. By the way, Rod, breaking news. Uh-oh. What we got? Ohio good State, Buckeyes quarterback, Ohio State. Um, they're going bowling. They're outside the top four, of course. Um, their quarterback, Kyle McCord, who started all season for the Buckeyes, has entered his name in the transfer portal. Portal opened at midnight, Rod. Portal opened at midnight. So that portal about to be lit. Man. Well, well while, while this is happening locally in, in, in the college mm-hmm. football landscape, a couple things. The, the portal opens and – don't think this snub of Florida State will not resonate within the ACC. Remember, the ACC top end was already mad. Yeah. Florida State want, you know, Clemson. They don't think they, they're going to be on even footing with the SEC and the Big Ten moving forward as a conference. Uh, destabilization continues in the ACC, and apparently there were conference calls yesterday and meetings, and they, they, they weren't mad about the revenue that's going to be less starting next year, Rod. And now they're looking at this going, we're going to get screwed. That's true. I forgot even think about that. We're going to get screwed. I didn't even think about the revenue issue that essentially that has really splintered the conference in the yes. offseason. Yes. I forgot all about And it was Florida State that wanted to leave? Yep. 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 Oh. yep. Clemson. Miami. Oh, that can't. North that, Carolina. That's brutal. Yes. Oh, and that's big money. Big what money. is that, $6 million or well, something look, I mean, when your team goes to the playoffs? It's something, something like that. It's, yep. a, it's a lot of money. I think yeah, everyone, in the, everyone in the Big 12 gets $11 million, right? Yeah, well, that's why Brett Yormark was some, was was, yeah, was taking the booze for the Longhorns because Longhorn fans let him have money. it on Saturday. But mm-hmm. you know, it's the best thing for his conference. I mean, <laughs> Texas is leaving, but it's going to make him a lot of money on the way out. He's going, yeah, you just, yeah, you, you leave it, but you're leaving us a bunch of cash on your way. And it's back to back years. Dang, yeah, TCU. Back, TCU was there last year, so it's back to back years. Wow. And so all of a sudden, Brett Yormark, in a short amount of time, as the commissioner, like him or hate him. I mean, Cash is coming in, baby. The, the fa- he's, he, he won the battle, and he, he won the Game of Thrones battle with the Pac-12 because his, his leadership was stronger and more decisive. Oh, man. Pac-12's out, and now the ACC's wobbly. You're right. Oh, did you see Klyovkov and how quickly he got off the stage after he gave the Pac-12? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the Pac-12 it's like, I got to get the hell out of here, man. I don't, yeah. people, I don't, people don't need to see me. Yeah, well, that was the last one, and now and it's oh, amazing. If, if, you, if you go back to the, to the days after Oklahoma and Texas announced their departure, Everybody would have bet that the Big 12 would be the one disintegrating. Oh, Everybody. Yeah. And now the Pac-12 is gone, as we know it, and the ACC is in poor shape. Uh, and the Big 12 has never been stronger. Because the, the word I've heard is that the ACC, the ones that are disgruntled, are calling the Big 12, saying let's do something and, and let's Ooh. merge. Let's, let's, because the SEC, the SEC and the Big 10 aren't talking. Mm. They're not interested in expanding further. They're good. Uh, it would be the Big 12 that would be the beneficiary of any movement from the ACC's top end. Um, Definitely they, would lock up basketball. Man. Yeah. Well, that's what your, your, your Mark's thinging. Definitely college bad. They would have a monopoly on it at that oh, point. Uh, now I got Duke something. and North Carolina and, uh, uh, you know, some, some hoops and football. Keep an eye on that. All right, let's go behind the burn orange curtain. We'll pick up the Florida State-Alabama controversy because it's a big one, obviously. But uh, locally, Longhorns want to hear about the Longhorns. Let's do it. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What 
is behind that curtain. All right, let's talk about the uh, game plan uh, for the Longhorns versus Oklahoma State. I know a lot of Longhorns are excited. They want to talk Washington, and we got plenty of time for that, and we'll get to it. Um, but, you know, I thought Sark's opening script and game plan against Oklahoma State once again showed that he has elevated right, himself as a coach. Now, this was the, this was the sixth three high three down defense that he's played so far he had to coach up against this year so for everybody who's like man why do you keep talking about this damn three high three down defense i mean it's it, yeah it's, it's some teams run it but I, you know why do you why do you figure sark's got to figure out an antidote to it because he's going to see it so much yeah it's half the damn schedule now guys it was half the schedule if he didn't figure out an antidote to it or figure out a way to solve the three high three down there's no way they were going to win the conference and that's why schematically it was one of my big focal points. And I do think he's figured out his formula and his antidote. And all, all the culmination of it, really the, the peak of it, might have been against Oklahoma State. Now, Oklahoma State, they just man for man, they just don't have the bodies, they don't have athletes. But even Sark said they're one of the best, if not the best, linebacking court they faced this year. And they have, at least Mike Gundy, they've been running the three high as long as anybody in the Big 12. They started running in 2016, even before Iowa State started running it. Uh, but this is why Sark, this is his formula, his formula. And now it worked for everybody, but uh, there are those around the country that are going to study the way that Sark decided to expose the three high and then use some of his principles, right, when they have to face it. And like I said, it's everywhere. Now Hell Georgia has their own version of it. And what he did in this game was interesting, kind of to follow something you've heard me say before, present power personnel packages and then pivot to pass principles. Remember, the three high three down is built, constructed to defend spread sets, to defend speed on the field. That's why it's a hybrid, malleable defense with hybrid defenders. The unique strength of it, as you've heard me say before, is its ability to disguise and distort pre-snap and make everything tough for the, the quarterback post-snap and for the run-blocking schemes post-snap. So what Sark wanted to do, and I love it, he presented power personnel. His first 24 plays, they were 2-1 to one power sets over 11 personnel. When I mean power sets, I mean more backs or more tight ends on the field than wide receivers they had 21 personnel they had 12 personnel on the field uh, a lot more than any other series that I've seen for the, the, the opening script for Sark since he's been on the 40 acres and what that does is it forces the three high to abandon their disguise and distortion because they're at such a disadvantage when it comes to the run game and to their run fits that they have to get to their alignment and assignment they get to their alignment and assignment and then that's when you pivot you go power, present power personnel packages and pivot to play action pass principles. And that's what he did. That's why, that's why early on, the first 28 points they scored, uh, it's mostly out of power sets, out of 12 personnel, out of 21 personnel. And they threw the ball out of these sets. They came out, started the game in 21 personnel. And they threw the ball out of these sets, went into empty, went to unbalanced out of these sets. And what this does, like I said, it forces the three high to get to their alignment and assignment. Therefore, you already have the indicators of what coverage they're in and what front they're in. So I'm not saying he solved it. But he definitely has probably a better – he has a better formula, a more effective formula versus the three high, maybe than any coach in the country, considering how often he's seen it. 
Like, I don't know if play calls and coaches see it as much as he's seen it with his time in the Big 12. Um, so here's, here's basically uh, what Texas did. Just out of the – you can look at the 21 personnel and what they did. And I've been talking about this for a while, too, and I'm glad Sark hasn't abandoned it. I thought he would abandon 21 personnel packages, especially once Rojo and Bijan were gone. But he has it. That 57-yard run by Keelan Robinson, that was out of two backs, one tight end. Uh, they, they, they ran the ball and threw the ball early out of those sets. And it does track now still. And I thought it would be – my hypothesis was this would not happen, but the stats say otherwise. Your most explosive, efficient, and effective personnel grouping this season, last season, and in 2021 is 21 personnel. It's two running backs on the field. Two running backs, one time. Even this year, this year, you're at you're at basically 11 yards per play. <laughs> That's a first down a play out of out of 21 <laughs> personnel. You're you're at 14 yards per attempt, and you're at damn near 10 yards per rush. Well, think about it uh, for the audience. <laughs> I mean, uh, you're teaching high level football right there. But obviously, if you go two backs and a tight end. You're going to match up defensively with linebackers. I mean, you got to get yes. heavy. You got to get heavy. You got to get heavy. There you go. Uh, and then if you go go to the first drive for Texas, you know they they win the toss, defer, get a three and out, mm-hmm. get the ball in good field position because of a you know terrible punt and a penalty. Well, the first play is a screen pass where they roll, they look left, roll back to the right, and throw a screen pass. Get those linebackers moving. Yep. And that's C.J. Baxter for 17 yards. Then it was Keelan Robinson out of the same formation with a sweep to the left. Mm -hmm. And then it's a play action with Quinn Ewers where he looks to the left and then rolls back to the right to the to the corner route with a Donnie Mitchell yeah. touchdown. So the linebackers are doing like this. Yep, and I believe that was out of 12, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I got to go back and check. Yeah, but he, uh, they, he, yeah, he's right. If Sark said, <laughs> these linebackers are really good. So I got to get them moving. I can't run right at them. I'm going to get them moving side to side. And then, and that just continued the whole quarter. It was like, my gunny seems like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think they thought Texas was going to come out and try to run the rock against them. And they just came out in these run sets and threw the rock. Oh, yeah. Use play action against them. And like I said, that's that's brilliant. And that's part of Sark. That is, trust me, that is a continued trend with him when he faces these three high defenses. Hey, I'm going to show you power. And then I'm going to threaten you with power, but I'm going to pivot to play action pass principles, which is what he wants to do anyway. And another thing about facing the three highs, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying Sark has solved it, but his formula is as, is, is as effective as anybody's versus the three high. Remember I said you have to be extreme. You can't be a moderate. You've got to be extreme in your formations, extreme in your personnel. That, that goes to your 21 and your 12, right? Present power, go extreme to that, uh, to, obviously with that philosophy. But you have to be extreme in formations too unbalanced you if you go watch unbalanced is one of Sark's favorite concepts versus the three high that's when you have kind of all four of your receivers on one side of the field and if you go look at the game versus uh, TCU and versus uh, Oklahoma State uh, those are the contests where and even against K-State uh, Iowa State there's a lot of unbalance. As a matter of fact, I counted in the Oklahoma State game, I counted 12 snaps of, of unbalanced um, against uh, TCU. He was, Texas was at, uh, I think they were at, yeah, 22 snaps of, of unbalanced um, against Iowa State. Not as many. I think you were at eight at, uh, against Iowa State, somewhere around there. My point is, he, it, it, when he sees a certain type of three high, what the unbalanced forces you to do when you get extreme, 
well, you have to get to your alignment and assignment. That's such an extreme formation to defend. I can't afford to be in disguise, especially. And when you're in any defending any unbalanced set, especially when you're unbalanced to that extent, three by one sets, man, you have to get to your alignment and assignment right away because you have stretched and stressed the defense formationally. So he does that a lot. And when he does that, ten over 10 yards per attempt. In the games where Texas plays a team that runs the three high, three down, they're averaging over 10 yards per attempt when they throw the ball out of unbalanced sets. So Sarkis figured out what works for him against the three high, and I'll give him a ton of credit for that because that was his kryptonite, and it still may be statistically, um, but I don't know if it is any more schematically, philosophically, because he's kind of figured it out. You, can, you still should run it if you're going up against Sark, but it's not going to guarantee you success unless you have top-notch athletes to match, to, to match up with it. And since that second half against Iowa State, he's really hit his stride. Well, he has. Play call against those and types of If you of go schemes. back to the summer and who was going to replace Bijan and Roshan, uh, that's why when they when they took the knee, the victory formation on Saturday, and it was Jonathan Brooks out there in his mm-hmm. full uniform with the knee injury, just a tribute, Jonathan. To me, he was the key to the season. When when he emerged as a, as a power running threat and a just a really good running back, Sark always says, if I if I can run it and I can run when you want to stop me, I can beat you because you, everything you just said, I can present power and then pass and use yep. these weapons on the outside. Uh, they had to have that established, and Jonathan Brooks brought that. Uh, with the injury to C.J. Baxter early, and that was awesome to see him out there, yeah. Jonathan Brooks, getting it's, to be it, on the field. It's just so interesting because, yeah, you're right. He, Jonathan Brooks went down. We all assumed there was going to be regression, and then C.J. Baxter gets a 100-yard game versus Iowa State, and then Jaden Blue gets a 100-yard game versus Texas Tech, and it was almost like he, he, he played the okey-doke versus Oklahoma State. They figured, man, they had, they had Texas Tech. How many guys had uh, great rushes, right? We talked about that. Everybody was averaging over five yards per carry. It was the best rushing performance of the season, and he almost used that psychologically against Oklahoma State, presenting them with, oh, man, they're definitely going to run this rock. Look how good they've been running the rock lately, and they didn't. Nope. It was uh, 450 <laughs> yards later for Quinn Ewers yeah. and nine or ten different receivers catching passes, including Tavondre Sweat, the right. likely uh, Outland Trophy winner. we got to talk about that, too. We'll get into that when we go behind the burn orange curtain maybe a little bit later, or maybe Rod's rant. But remember, we talked about what's holding this Texas team back from being the best team in the country. Red zone. Red zone offense. Even against Texas Tech, where the entire team played well and they had a dominant performance, red zone offense was still inept. In this game versus Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy said they look better in person than they did on film. You know what I think he was talking about? Red zone. Red zone. Five for five. Red zone. I think he was like, <laughs> hold on, this is not the team i see in the red zone. Well, that's why, uh, you know, they, they you know, somebody texted, can they beat, look, they can beat any team in this Final Four. Will they beat either team? I don't know. They but can. They've they got a month to prepare, and they've got the personnel to get healthy, and, uh, you know, Washington's got a month too. Uh, that's what's going to be fun over the next uh, four weeks. Oh, yeah. Let's pick it up on the other side with some what the facts, including some uh, big-time stuff from the National Football League. How about the Houston Texans now 7-5 and five in their other Big-time rookie had a huge game yesterday. We'll get to that in the uh, What the Facts. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up, 101.9 AM 1260, The Horn. Hooking them up indeed. More on the Longhorns going to the Final Four. Obviously, throughout the morning, Rod will have a rant coming up next hour. Also, reset those headlines. What a weekend for the Burn Orange. Not just football, but uh, basketball, volleyball. Golf, Scotty Scheffler winning the Hero World Challenge. We'll get to all that uh, coming up. Also, uh, some bullish or BS next hour. Uh, but, Rod, what the facts time. What the facts. Can I give you some facts? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, well, let me, let me uh, first clarify this as I was listening. Did the commissioner of the Big 12 call Steve Sarkeesian Steve Uh-oh. Garcia-Keesian? When? 
when oh, he was handing him the trophy? Garcia Keys. Yes, he could not pronounce his name. Garcia. Well, look, that's no G. What do you want? We got to find that. I was listening, and I was thinking, he muffed See, that bad. Well, I was doing a live stream at the time, um, so I don't – yeah, this is weird. I was, I was listening in my car. Oh. Um, yeah, Garcia yeah. Keesian. We were doing a live stream, so I, had, I was watching it, but I had the, the, the volume down, we were, and everybody was talking about how he was getting booed mercilessly. Oh, couldn't well, he couldn't really hear him because the boos were so loud. Was, so I didn't hear it. <laughs> well, got he got a little flustered because I don't think he expected the boos to be that merciless. I mean, 75,000 Longhorn fans hey, all at once. You should call Roger Goodell and find out how to deal with it. Roger Goodell does it oh, great. At the he did a nice job handling it as far draft. as being <laughs> diplomatic, and now he's got a team in the in the fail, in the playoff. Yeah, but just being able to talk to it, Roger Doe goes to that mic every time, and they boom, he's like, thank you. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's learning, this your mark guy. Yeah, learn, yeah. Uh, but here's a fact for you, Rod. C.J. Stroud has been the story of the Texans' turnaround season. Yes, sir. But in yesterday's 22-17 win over Denver, the other foundational first-round pick, defensive end Will Anderson, was an absolute game wrecker. He's the reason they won the game. Uh, he had four quarterback hits. He had two sacks. He tipped the ball that Derek Stingley intercepted, uh, deflected a punt. And between he and Jonathan Grenard, Grenard the other pass rusher, mm-hmm. they harassed Russell Wilson, held them to 17 points, and obviously the interception at the end. Denver had been the hottest team in football coming into that game. They won five straight games. Houston wins it, gets to seven and five. And uh, just a great – I mean, those two guys are dudes. I hate to see for Tank Dell the injury that he suffered, uh, broke his leg. Oh, yeah. I don't know what he's really doing in the, in the interior of the goal line. The guy's 170 pounds, but he got rolled up on. Hated to see Tank Dell go out. But Houston, huge win yesterday to beat the Broncos. They'll play the Jets this week. Uh, yeah, uh, that's some bad facts uh, as a Texans fan. Um, Good, though. Dale. I mean, these two, they, I mean, they, they got it right with Stroud and Anderson. Those no, are two they dudes. got it right with those guys. Uh, but the Tank Dell injury, that's unfortunate because he was trending. Oh, because. As fantasy people well, or as, you know, C.J. Stroud become one of his favorite Yeah, targets. you hate to see it. And uh, Nico Collins had a huge game for them. Dalton Schultz didn't play in that game either. So they were that. And the injury to Tank came early. So they played that game without their two two of his most comfortable weapons. Um, speaking of weapons, Debo Samuel is quite the weapon. How about this factoid? Debo Samuel is the only wide receiver in NFL history to make a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro team having more career rushing touchdowns than receiving touchdowns. Come on, man. The man's a weapon. Yeah. Uh, Versatile. So, your your guy Kyle Shanahan, uh, their their first few drives were pretty lame. They didn't do much in the first quarter of yeah, Philadelphia yesterday. They were uh, down six a, to it's nothing. A feeling out process. Yeah, let me see the script. Some film. The, the script sucked. Okay, it's all right. Got to yeah. go off scripts. So they're down six nothing, and they held. By the way, Philadelphia had been the best team in the red zone in the NFL. They were on a streak of twelve straight touchdowns in the red zone. They forced two field goals early, and that was huge. Mm-hmm. And then the the offense opened up for Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy. How about this? Six offensive drives from the early second quarter. Through the middle of the fourth, the 49ers ran 47 plays for 450 yards and six touchdowns. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. It was McCaffrey. It was Debo. Yeah. It was Ayuk. It was Kittle. Everybody got in on it. Uh, it was unbelievable. And uh, look, think about that, Rod. 47 plays, 450 yards, six touchdowns against a 10-1 and football what team on the road. a slow start. With a, it, it was a slow start. Too. Come on, man. I think for the first, like, I want to say the first 13 minutes – that basically the 49ers only had the ball for like two. Well, and that's for the it, first 13 I mean, the minutes of the game. The script could have gone better like for Philadelphia. They were controlling the ball. Oh. They just had to settle for field goals, and they never settled for field goals. Yeah, especially because they, usually if it's short yards down there, they just tush push it. Because they have four downs, right? Yeah, they tush push it, and they're good. Yeah, right. So that was the huge early, and then they just exploded on them. San Francisco's beating the other two, other two best teams in the NFC, Dallas and Philadelphia, by 23 and 32 points. And now they meet. <laughs> yeah, right, they meet next week. When that team's healthy, the Niners, come on now. No, so no, Chiefs yeah, yeah. lose last night. Ravens are on a bye week, and they're good. 
But when that team's going with Walter Jones, with what uh, Trent Williams, a left tackle. I mean, you can make the argument that oh. that's, that's what's held the 49ers back the last couple of years from being the, the Super Bowl contender yeah, yeah. or Super Bowl winner is that injuries. They get hurt at crucial positions at the wrong time, well, they, but they're right. healthy. They are just a machine. Because <laughs> I think the Cowboys think they're good. The Eagles think they're pretty good. Detroit. Well, when the Cowboys and Eagles had their chance against the Niners, they've gotten destroyed. Destroyed. That's, yeah. a, that's a message sent right there, my friend. It was. Yes, that's a great point. We'll see between the uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles, though. Now the Cowboys got a chance to win that division. That seemed like that was a long loss. First place on the line Sunday <laughs> uh, night. Yeah, goal at one point. No, it's not. Nine and three Cowboys, ten and two Eagles. By the way, Chargers beat the New England Patriots 6 nothing yesterday, Rod. Third time in a row New England has given up ten or fewer points and lost. First team to do that since the 1938 Chicago Cardinals. Yeah, Belichick still can coach some D now. <laughs> <laughs> Can't coach no O, but he can coach some D. They lost a game at home to the L.A. Chargers 6 to nothing. Hey, Two Cameron Dicker <laughs> field goals. That's Kellen Moore, ain't it? Yes. Oh, come on, Kellen. You got to do better than that, man. <laughs> well, but the, but the, 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 the Chargers won. I know, but still, you got to do better than that. You have to do better than that. Bill Belichick <laughs> sinking the goat. We'll see. We're coming back hour two of four or five here on Hook'em Up.